call is being recorded. All right, Big House Banter, we are back. Uh, Solid win against Penn State this past week. Uh, Time to recap everything that happened about the game. The allegations surrounding a certain coach, Coach Harbaugh, and, you know, what we're looking forward uh, to in the next two weeks before the season comes, the regular season comes to a close. So um, how's it going, man? Not too bad. Pretty pumped about a big win against, against our first real rival of the season. Um, Well, I shouldn't say rival, but our first, first big game of the season against a top 10 first ranked opponent. Um, yeah. in Penn State and, you know, putting all putting all questions to bed, you know, saying that, you know, Michigan hasn't played anybody all season. What are they going to do when they play somebody that's actually got a football team? Yep. And I really think that, um, again, like you alluded to, with, with not even having our head coach on the sidelines, um, we had a pretty solid performance away at Penn State. Yeah, we were talking about it last week, you know, before um, we even got into the stadium, we were talking about how that stadium is one of the toughest to play in in the in the country. It's one of the only – I think it is the second largest stadium besides the big house. Um, they might have even brought that up on the broadcast. But um, you saw it again. They're in uniform, those fans. It's It's the 12th man on the sidelines, you know. Their the color coordination, all white. It it sends a message. It's hard to play in. It gets loud. Um, you know we we did it. We did exactly what we needed to do. Like you've been saying the whole year, we didn't even stray from our game plan. If anything, we had to change the game plan up into one of our strengths that we weren't probably expecting to use, the run game. Yeah, I think that's exactly well, at least right. Not that much. Not that much, I mean. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and that that's exactly what I've been preaching all season. We do what we need to do and we drive the ball down the field and we march the ball down the field and we just score points. Again, yeah, obviously we didn't score as many points as we normally do. This is our first game under thirty points of the season. We only put up twenty four. But we didn't do anything that we didn't need to do. Um, you know, Closed out the game on 32 straight runs. Did not throw the ball a single time in the second half, which I guess is yeah. I don't even know misleading. Yeah, because there was one pass. JJ threw one ball, and um, it, it, there was a pass interference called, so that does not count as a throw. But but yeah, 30 32 straight runs to end the game. Two of them were the kneel downs at the end of the game, but I mean, our our last pass play was with seven minutes left in the second quarter. Like, yeah, that's the definition of just adjusting mid-game, even before halftime. We like to preach on halftime adjustments, but that's even before halftime. We saw, okay, you know, they're they're getting good pressure on the quarterback every time we pass the ball. So JJ ended up seven of eight, even though with good pressure, he ended up seven of eight. And mm-hmm. and we saw that and we said, okay, if you're going to pressure our quarterback every single time, we're just going to run the ball. And that's all we did. And we never stopped. Yep. Against the, the, the number one 
rush defense in America. We ended up yeah, with that, 227 rushing yards. I think that's the biggest takeaway from the whole run thing, besides the fact that I don't know I've seen any team play a top-ranked team. I believe, yeah, they were ranked 10 at the time we were playing them. So I've never seen someone play a top-10 team and not pass the ball for an entire half on purpose. Like, that's part of their actual – Oh, my God. Sorry, I got this ad coming up on my stat sheet. Um, mm. They got these, uh, yeah. Um, they got, I, I don't know anyone who has done that, and that's part of their game plan. Usually it's because they, they can't pass, or they that's the only part of their game that they're confident in, which is not true of Michigan at all. Now, was the pass not working? as well as we wanted it to? No, but same point. You just said he was seven for eight. It just wasn't getting it done the way that we needed to get it done to move the ball down the field. So we switched to the run, and that's what we started talking about way at the beginning of the season. Right when we started to see how J.J. was uh, moving and how Blake could run the ball straight up the gut, it was it's a two-headed beast. You can't just take out one side of Michigan's offense. You need to shut us down to beat us, and they were not able to do it. I think that's exactly right. And just to reiterate, it's, you know, Michigan does what they need to do. And we decided early on, okay, we had some struggles protecting the quarterback when we were dropping back. And we had some struggles, I guess, early on too, even a little bit in the running game. Um, but we we started throwing some extra linemen up there, uh, getting more protection, and just started running the ball down their throat. And we saw that that when we started doing that, we had more success. And, you know, you jump out to a 14-3 lead. Obviously, Penn State scored first to make it 3 nothing, But then we came back and scored two touchdowns, make it 14-3. to And we just continued to run the ball. And if you're not going to stop it, we have all the confidence in the world in our defense as the best defense in America. And we just kept bleeding the clock and bleeding the clock and letting our defense shut down Penn State. And that's, that's yep. exactly what happened. Yep, because, you know, you you mentioned it before about keeping teams under 10 points. You know, even if you keep them under 21 in general, honestly, it's it's something to be said because it's really only three scores. And, you know, they, they didn't even hit 20 in this game. Um, it was an ugly kind of old-school Big Ten-looking score, but – you know, I, I like to see it. We, you know, we got we got down and dirty in the run game, got into those trenches, and we just came out with a big W away. We needed it. It's a huge momentum, uh, not even igniter, just continuer. But, you know, with the allegations around Coach Harbaugh and everyone and their mother who's not a, a Michigan fan jumping on the hate Harbaugh wagon after that, it felt like. You know, those kids going out there and doing it, you know, multiple – everybody was saying it after the game. They did it for a coach. And I was talking to a guy in the bar the next day watching some other football, and I was telling him all they did was put a huge chip on every single player's shoulder at Michigan right now. Yep. Like everyone, everyone at Michigan knows this is – absolute bullshit everyone does this this is a part of the game 
And that's all they really did, I think. I don't think they even had time for it to settle in because they freaking called Michigan on the plane ride over to freaking Happy Valley or whatever the hell they call their state college name. I don't know. Beaver Stadium, which makes no sense. Um, He was in the freaking air. So those kids were already in game mode. You know, so I, I'm just – it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Maryland. It's going to be interesting to see if he's going to even be able to coach that game. You know, I guess they you were telling me that they have the hearing tentatively, it sounds like, scheduled for next Friday. We'll see what the hell that even means. Um, yeah, these kids are now not only the best and complete team in the country right now, you've also, you know, awoken the bear. You know, you, you, you fucked with Papa Bear – and well, guess what? The kids aren't kids anymore. These these dudes are looking like grown ass men, and they're ready to shove it down anyone's throats to the end of the season. And I'm talking until the national championship in Ann Arbor. So honestly, I told my friend from Penn State I wasn't even worried. Not shook. Sharona, Sharona, fucking taking the reins two and zero. You, you were saying earlier when we were talking about the game, just to kind of recap between the two of us, you were saying that's that's 4-0 Michigan is on the season without a freaking head coach. Yeah, and I think I think that is really the biggest headline there is we lose our coach Friday late afternoon on the road in the air traveling to Penn State and then you know even even Saturday morning they were Michigan was trying to get a hearing to allow Jim Harbaugh to be on the sideline. So even you know ten o'clock they don't know if if Jim Harbaugh is going to be on the sidelines or not. And it came around ten o'clock ten thirty is when they said nope, there's going to be no hearing today, and he's not going to be allowed on the sidelines. And and Sharon Moore, Absolutely, yeah. He he coached. He was the head coach for one of the one of the three games earlier when Jim Harbaugh wasn't even on the sidelines. Yeah. And I thought he did a fantastic job of running that yep. program on Saturday against Penn State. The balls on that guy to to not run the football a single time in the second half again. Not you know, not pass. Not not pass. Not pass the football. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not, to not pass the ball. They had, they had um, that one pass play that was called back on pass interference, and then they had the fourth and one where it was a pass play, and JJ scrambled for the first down. But again, not not a single run or not a single pass on the stat sheet in the second half is just incredible. Being being the head coach, being in that position, being you know just the whole drama surrounding everything, and then you say, all right, I'm just going to do what what they're giving me right now, and to actually go out and do that and say, we don't need to pass the ball. We don't need to do something that that we, we don't need to force it in any way. Here's our run game. Stop it. You know, we've, we've talked before yeah. that Michigan's run game has not been the same as it was last year, that it was two years ago, but we showed that we still can run the football again against the number one rated pat, um, sorry run defense in the league coming into yeah. that game and we ran the ball for 227 yards total. Like, yeah. And, go ahead and that's, stop it. that's, that's an, that's an F you to everyone in the league. That's Absolutely. literally like Sharon. 
I really don't I'm not gonna say he did this like on purpose for real, but you could definitely say now looking back at it, he just wants to give everyone the middle finger and say, You literally cannot stop us. We don't have our head coach. I'm facing the number one fucking rush defense as the head coach slash offensive coordinator in at their own house, which is the second largest house, again, little brother to Michigan. So I'm just going to show you exactly how many levels you can't stop us on. Coaching, away games in heated areas, uh, kind of a newborn rivalry. We were talking about this off air, like, you know, last 20 years, Penn State's kind of been not just a thorn in the side, kind of almost, you know, really started to fuck up a lot of Michigan seasons. And yeah. so it's turning, it's turning into a more heated rivalry. And on top of all of that, we're going to run it down your fucking throats because we know you're the number one defense. Like, yeah, those are some cojones. Like, the kid loves a good headline. Um, that's and, – and I got to tell you, I was just thinking about it while we were talking about this. Like, to have – I think they mentioned it on the bar, broadcast on Saturday. Like, he's taking off his, uh, his headphones to kind of, like, focus in on the game for a second like you'd probably do as an offensive coordinator – but I, I guess someone ran up to him like, a, like an assistant or something, and they're like, yo, put the, put the phones back on. You need after the head coach, too. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, doing that, making that adjustment, like you said, pre-halftime adjustment, pre-second half adjustment, I think that might have almost given him the ability to do it quicker because he didn't have to converge with the entire coaching staff and decide on a game plan he could just go ahead and say, we're running the ball. Like, I already know J.J. I don't know I don't know. If I can say he knows J.J. better than Jim, but, like, as an offender, he probably does. You know, like, they, they probably spend more time talking together than Jim does J.J., you know. Jim probably spends a fuck ton of time talking to J.J., don't get me wrong on that. But if there was going to be anyone on the team that would talk to him more, it'd be his offensive coordinator. So, yeah. you know – him being able to have that connection with not just JJ, but in general, the whole offense and the whole scheme and how he knows what is and isn't working probably the quickest. He's probably the one telling Coach Harbaugh, yo, this is not working. We need to switch to this. And then he doesn't have to go through those steps. He switched it, and we hit a switch. Because then, you know, we we were up in the first half seven – or no, down at the end of the first half 3-0, score twice in the second half. And we never lose the lead again. So, you know, I, I yeah, think you're, talk, you're talking first quarter, second quarter. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he implemented some adjustments in that second quarter that set us up for the rest of the game yep. on the field, on the sideline. Like, Absolutely. I think that shows you how smart and how, I think, respected but powerful Sharon is on that sideline. I think the respect comes first, but the, with that respect comes great power, right? Because your team's going to listen to you. You know, he's, they respect him just as much as Jim. And I think Jim has instilled that in all of his players and vice versa with his coaches is that you respect. I'm not on the pedestal. I am the head coach because I am like a CEO that talks to the CTO, COO, CSO. I am the one that convolt, like digests all this information and then acts on it. But all these other people are a lot more talented in these certain areas that they're in than I am. So, respect us all equally. I'm just the one that – there's got to be a guy who calls the play. 
and that's my position. All these other people are doing a lot of groundwork for me, and I trust them to do that groundwork properly so that we win mm-hmm. games when I call the play. But, you know, to, have, to see Sharon do all that as, like, pretty much like the CFO, the sales guy, that's what I consider offense, it's like the sales team, you know. Um, the yeah. engineers probably yeah. the defense. But either way, that's a little bit of a weird connection. I'm just saying, it's really great to see him pretty much take on the, the head of sales and the CEO position on the sidelines for Michigan last Saturday and get it both done. I mean, it's not the greatest showing of offense that we've seen. But, again, we knew that we're, it was going to be a tough game going into uh, the Nittany Lions home field. There's there's nothing wrong with this win, with, with this win especially when you compare it to the Ohio State 20-12 win at Ohio State against Penn State. So it's more – it's a bigger – it's an actual two-score game, unlike – Ohio State at home was not. It was only eight points. And we did it in a more hostile environment. So, I mean, this gives me all the confidence in the world um, about what I think it's November 25th. Yep. November 25th, 12th, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think that, that's, that's really the big point right there is that, you know, even, even, even during the post-game interviews, you see everybody, especially JJ, is he's he's absolutely ecstatic that we won the game and we did it in the fashion that we did. He's not worried that he only had eight pass attempts all game. You know, he is he's not offended that they didn't pass in the second half that they don't have a, they don't have a you know a stat per pass in the second half. He's about winning, and it's not just JJ; it's about everybody. And again, going to post game interviews, Blake Corum, you know, what he said, it's it's not about it's not about the stat sheet. It's about playing for Michigan. It's about Jump. winning the national championship. That's what the team wants to do. And we've we've preached on this all season long, is that yeah. everybody is on the same page right now and everybody is not nobody's there for themselves. Everybody is there to play Michigan football. Everybody is there to win for Michigan, and everybody's there to win for their teammates. And it's just incredible that you can go out and, again, pre-halftime adjustments and say, okay, this is what the defense is giving us. We're just going to stack the line, and we're going to run it down your throat. We know that we can throw the ball, and we just have to figure that out if we want to, but we don't need to. We can just run it down your throat. And what are you going to do to stop us? Nothing. Number one and defense. You, what are you gonna do? Number one defense. Exactly. Not, and nothing. if you if you try it, we're still gonna keep doing. And that's what Michigan did all of last season and the season before. Is when we did when we were putting up 200 yards a game rushing, game in and game out. That is what we did. We ran the ball consistently, and we didn't necessarily score on every single drive, but we kept running it and kept running it and kept running it, and then eventually we break out the big runs. And that's exactly what they did against Penn State. Yeah. Is they kept running it. They kept running it, and eventually, you know, Blake Corum busted a 44-yarder, which didn't even end up in a touchdown, but that was a beautiful run, his longest of the season, I believe. And same thing with Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards. Yes. Give give him credit where credit's due. Give him credit where credit's due. Yeah, yes. got some runs finally. out there. He had yes, a 22-yard touchdown run. It's like, yes. yeah, we're going to keep doing it because we can. And you're showing us 
that you've got some good pass defense going on right now. And guess what? We don't need to pass the ball. Even J.J., he's going to go out and run it. J.J., I I think he Yeah, which isn't incredible or anything, but he had some big runs. I already already touched on the – on the um the the fourth and one design pass yeah. which turned into a scramble for a, for a run for the first down but also yeah. there was a there was a third and ten in there and it's like mm-hmm. it, it was a designed run to Jay. Like, huge, what the hell is going on? But oh my god, he got first down, he got ten, got twelve. It's like, dude, yes, we need more of that. We need more of that. We're and that's the thing, we are capable of it. That was huge. And and I've 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 said this before. And I think you're kind of buying into it too, is not putting these things on film. You know, we have this ability, yeah. but we don't need to show it yet. We know we can oh. do it. We don't need to show everybody else that we can do it. Quarterback design run. Yeah, are the in quarterback our design run. I didn't even think about that until you brought it up. The quarterback design run, because there were a lot of those. I mean, technically, an option is always could be a, a quarterback run. Right. Right. But you don't really want to run your quarterback that much like we used to with uh, uh, Denard. Because, I mean, you're just, you're just waiting for him to get hurt, really. Um, but I got to tell you, going back to Donovan Edwards, I, I've given him shit pretty much all season. And this is exactly why I've been giving him shit, though, because I know he's capable of this type of shit. Like, yeah. and good on you, big boy. Like, I am – Super stoked for you. I'm glad that you got a long yardage running touchdown again, Simon. Because I think that's really the hill he needed to get over this whole entire season. He got a couple touchdowns. I think he's gotten three so far, including this one. But it was like a two-yard run or whatever. You know, it was like a Blake Corum classic this year kind of style touchdown, you know. But, you know, for him personally, I think he needed something like this to just like wake him up again to like what he's actually capable of doing. Cause I mean, when he hit on those fucking turbo chargers, man, there was no one catching them. And like, he ran out of his shoe on that one run, ran out of his shoe. <laughs> I think he needs to talk to the Denard about them shoelaces though. Strap <laughs> <laughs> those boys up. <laughs> he's there. He's on the sidelines. And, uh, you know, I think, because having a 22-yard run, I'm looking at his stats right now, 10 carries, 52 yards, over five yards average rushing, that's what we need from you. That's what you're capable of doing. We know this, and we love to see it. We love yeah. to see it, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, because Blake Corum, he had 26 carries for 145 I'm looking at right now, five, 5.6 average, Okay. So if you can just kind of keep up with Corum for the rest of the season, you're looking good going into next season right now. You know, people are going to be hyped up on you again. You're going to get some chatters going around uh, off season after you win the the ship about whether you're going to go to the league or not. You know, Um, I just want the best for the kid. And I think if he keeps on playing like this, do I still think it's a smart decision for him to try to go to the league next year? No. Even if we, even when we win the national championship, I still think he could, like, pump them numbers up. I don't know. That's just me. Um, it could turn into a Tebow kind of thing for him, too. I, I'm not I'm not unaware of that. But either way, it's just I think seeing him run that way this game and really I, I feel like he was looking for the option, you know, because, like, 
like I was talking about for Purdue, you know, Blake literally ran up the ass of one of his linemen, then realized that the hole was not going to open, took a step back almost, just kind of bounced back, shuffled, kept his legs going forward though, and then got into the walked into the touchdown in the end zone. So I just think that Donovan showed at least a little bit more of his, you know, agility and quickness more than his speed alone when he was getting these, these better runs this game. And I just – I hope he remembers that because he did it – I hope he also – and he, he's got to remember this. I hope he also remembers that he did it against the number one rushing defense in, in the country. So really yep. what that means to me is that right now he just needs to stop playing down to his competition. You know, because yeah. that's that's really all that means is that you're playing down to your competition. You can do this against the best. You you are playing at. I'm not even gonna say this is best. He probably could have broke 100 if he was his best. But you know, you're you're obviously playing at a higher level when you're going up against a better team. So let's figure that out, buddy, because you fucking look good against Penn State, like. The kid looked good. I was super happy for him. Um, I'm happy fucking for Blake Corum, though, bro. We can't – I feel like corum has been doing this so regularly. Like, we just kind of get – overlook it because it's just such a constant. It's, it's like hiding in plain sight, right? Another 100-yard game. Another two-touchdown, three-touchdown game. Like, this kid is looking absolutely on fire. Like, I – I don't understand how he's not in the consideration of a Heisman Trophy right now. Well, I I I hesitate on the Heisman because simply because of the stat line. You know, he's got a bunch of touchdowns, but he has not been having hundred yard games. But I yeah, think that is, I do think that is partially by design, though, because again, we haven't been running the ball down people's throats like we did in the past two seasons and which again, I think is by design because we are showcasing that. Yeah. JJ can throw the ball and getting him the reps and getting him game reps of, you know, go out and throw the ball and, and showing that he can do that and giving him also the confidence that yes, you can do this. You can run the offense when you want to. And, and he's, he's totally shown that all season long that he can do that. And then today, it was just, you know, what what do we need to do to win the game? Because we've, we've talked all, you know, everything going on around outside with the coaching situation and being our first true test of the season on the road, top 10 opponent. It's like, okay, you know, what do we need to do to actually just win the game? We don't need to do anything fancy. We don't need to prove anything to anybody. What are we going to do to win the game? Oh yeah, we can just bring a couple extra linemen and run the ball. And I think Michigan has known that all season long. And so Sharon did not hesitate to go to that. And he saw, okay, that's working. So let's just do that for the rest of the game. And I think that has always been in the back pocket for this game and for Ohio State. Those are the two games that everybody has really been concerned about all season long. And we yeah. show, we have shown that we can do that. And so, again, you know, does that change Ohio State's game plan going into the Michigan game? Wait a minute. You know, they're not, they're not a 50-50 pass run team like they've been showing all season long. 
they can, if they want to, just run the ball down our throats. They have to protect against that. And then and then that that just changes the whole mindset because we also know that we can throw the ball too if we want to. We just have to figure out how to get a little better protection for J.J. And even without that, even without the best protection that we've seen this year, he was still seven for eight. And I still like I still like comparing his stats with Drew Aller's stats because yeah. I have not been yeah. I have not been a huge you know there a lot of people like to talk about Drew Aller and how good he is and and sure he they were he talking about him like they were, dude they were talking about him like he's something like a JJ bro yeah and he he probably will be very good in the next might, two three seasons for sure because he's yeah, only a sophomore but but again you know in big games against Ohio State and against Michigan he was he was 10 of 22 in this game, 10 of 22. And on 22 pass attempts, he had 70 yards. JJ on eight pass attempts had 60. So give me a break. Efficiency, bro. That that kid, he's, when I saw that too, when I pulled up ESPN again, and I just, I looked at it and I was like, holy shit. He only lost out by 10 yards. And had a full three other uh, attempts and receptions on Aller's side. Like, I think that's almost a testament to our freaking defense. The fact that he had yeah. ten receptions and barely beat out JJ's. Don't said Jimmy. <laughs> JJ's fucking uh, total yards. I mean, I think, yeah, that was wild. It's honestly wild. And you're right. I. I did misspeak about um, – I misspoke about uh, how much uh, Corum runs per game. But I agree. It's by design, though. And that's – I mean, kind of beating a dead horse, I guess, with this. But they they run their game plan. And our game plan is not um, static. It's not the same thing all the time. We right. have these abilities on both our offense and defense that all of our coaches are hyper aware of. And they know they can use them at any time. And it, it's really like there's like a, a chain of command in terms of what game plan we turn to if this, 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 this is not working. It's like yep. balance or slightly run heavy, slightly pass heavy. Just run the ball. <laughs> like, like there's like these – it feels like there's these grades that Coach Harbaugh has set up with each one of his coordinators and had them start to think this way. Because I got to tell you, like, that switch by Sharon really in the end, middle of the second quarter, that's something that we haven't seen. We, nope. we've, we've not seen this before, and it worked, you know. And, I I, again, I don't it goes back to your point that. about not, like, showing too much. And that's what I thought immediately when I – that's what I wanted to bring up. That's what I thought immediately when I saw the Edwards run is, like, I, for some reason, I don't even think I've ever seen that blocking package. Like, it just – the whole play felt like the defense was so thrown off. Like, mm-hmm. they, were, they were going yeah. the entire wrong way, trying to go back uphill, going toward the way that Donovan Edwards was running. It was, it was crazy to see how the defense was just everywhere. Like they they were going every single way, they it was it was chaos on their end. I had not seen that look before, 
it, it, it stood out. I don't know exactly why. I can't, I can't pinpoint exactly what it was, whether it was the, the, the lineman blocking down the line away from the run, toward the run. Was there a mix of both? I, I can't for sure tell you, but the whole defensive line and secondary, the, the linebackers, they look confused as fuck. I, 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 they had no idea what the fuck was going on, it looked like. Well, I think it was, you know, finally bringing in, you know, our big packages. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like they, were, they weren't goal line packages, but, you know, we had – everybody was tight on the line of scrimmage. We had extra offensive linemen, and our tight ends were tight. We weren't, we weren't spread out. And I feel like pretty much all season we've been in kind of spread looks. And, yeah. you know, we didn't necessarily have the eye formation going, which we have in the past couple seasons, you know, setting up an eye formation and just running it down their throats. But we showed today that that we can do that. We can be a power running team. We can bring in an extra blocker or two, and we can but just good. run it on your throat. Exactly. And, and again, not having it on film, I think that is what threw the defense off, is that, you know, they got after the quarterback. They were able to blow up some runs early in the game. And we 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 brought in an extra blocker or two and showed that, okay, we're still going to run it down your throat and we still can, and we can still do whatever we want to do. And it's not only that we have the confidence that we can run the ball. It's because again, we did not score every drive. Like we've been accustomed to this season. You know, we've been very accustomed to putting up, you know, I think we had uh, a three game stretch where we put up 40 plus points and we didn't even need to do that. And, and what we had done in that stretch is, is basically, efficiency and scoring on long drives, long drives, winding down the clock and then putting points on the board. We had Mm -hmm. long drives, but we didn't necessarily get points on every single drive, which is apparent by only putting up 24 on the board. But we wind down the clock and we give, give the game to our defense and we have supreme confidence in our defense and our defense once again showed up. Even, again, we talk about second-half adjustments, and I don't think we've given up a single point in the third quarter all season long. And I don't think until until the game against Michigan, Penn State had given up a single point in the third quarter either. So we had two, you know, you want to say Goliaths, third-quarter Goliaths going at each other, and we only yeah. put up three yeah. points, but but we scored. We scored in the third quarter, which Penn State has not allowed before, and Penn State did not score in the third quarter, which Michigan is accustomed to. So it yeah. is coming out of the half, both teams are are pretty fantastic and and Michigan won out in that battle just three three nothing, which isn't anything crazy, but we did we did exactly what we planned to do and we were able to execute it. And then we forced forced Penn State because we scored another touchdown in the fourth quarter and we forced Penn State when they finally scored in the fourth quarter again to try and go for two which they had done in the second quarter whether that was the right call or not early agreed yeah it's up for grabs but but we kind of forced their hand and when Michigan is forcing the other team's hand we always have the upper hand because we we, we, we know our defense is rock solid, and you can't yeah. beat us.
especially this season. I mean, I, obviously last season we had a great defense too, but I just love – I love – it's not just about Hutchinson this this season. It's about literally everyone. Like, like even uh, Will uh, Will Johnson. Will Johnson. He, this this kid can't stay off of the call sheet. Like, this, he he likes the airtime. You know, kids trying to build a brand. Um, well, you know, my favorite player. Doing great right now. He's just been excellent, even even after that early flag. Yeah. But then he was locked down. Then he's he like, was locked dude, down. That's absolutely right. And, I, dude, I don't know what I, – I forget what year he is right now. I thought he was younger, though. Will Johnson? Yeah. He is – he's a sophomore. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And he's going to be yeah. around for a couple seasons. That's what I'm saying is that this kid is looking like a stainer still out here. No knock to stainer still. I know that he's – He's he's patiently waiting in the sidelines. He's being a good boy right now. He's not doing as much as he used to, like with like getting on the, uh, the call sheet at the beginning of the the season. But he he's that solid. There's a reason why we're breaking up passes though. He's 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 locked down in in his coverage. So you know he, they don't want to throw to him. Um, but you know, well, Will Stephen. What I'll I'll say. My favorite defensive player from that game was Kenneth Grant, another sophomore, and I think he was the one that came out. Yeah, he came out Penn State's first first play of the game, and they ran the ball. And I don't I don't think he had any tackles for losses, which is kind of surprising because you know first first play of the game for Penn State, he blew that run play up, and apparently it was either a stop for zero or maybe he gained one. But it's like he he set the tone for the defense. And even though Penn State ran the ball consistently all the time, and they did end up accumulating some yards, you know, Kenneth Grant, that first play, blew it up in the backfield. And he had a couple of those where I, on the stat sheet, he doesn't have any tackles for losses, which, again, is kind of surprising. But he blew up a couple runs and – he made that huge tackle um, when when Penn State had the big run, their longest run of the game, and he was defensive lineman. He was the one chasing the running back down the field, and he ended up getting um, the tackle yeah. down the field when yeah. it was um, on that 34-yard run from Katron Allen. Yeah, he was the one that made the tackle 34 yards down the field. Like, dude, that's 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 the Michigan defensive mindset is everybody is playing hard all the time. A D lineman tackling you for a 34-yard gain, like, I don't – you don't see that. I, I couldn't believe I, – I thought I was seeing things when I saw that big fucking boy – yeah, thirty-five yards down the field. <laughs> like, what yeah. is going on? How fast can this dude actually run? Someone time that. Someone time is forty. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he impressed me the most. He Kenneth Grant impressed me the most on the defense. Absolutely, Will Johnson. It's, it's yeah. like you said, got flagged yeah. early, but but after Both that, played blocked on defense. Both sophomores, Both yeah. Sophomores. I know they're going to be back next year. 
looking and forward maybe to even it. the year after that. I mean, yeah. it's probably going to go back-to-back natty, so we'll see him in the NFL, but, uh, you know. Be <laughs> so Georgia and then do it again? I mean, dude. And also, I'm looking at where uh, Will Johnson's from. He's from Gross Point South, Detroit. Ooh, a local yeah. boy. Local boy. Local boy, local boy. <laughs> City <Yeah>. boy. <laughs> yeah, he, he had a good game, though, because – because he had that um, he had that lockdown coverage when you know Penn State they got their first against Michigan they got um, the first plays inside Michigan's ten yard line defensively and that's something that we haven't seen all year I believe I believe there was one play against I don't remember who it was but it was inside the ten yard line and there was a penalty so again it got the penalty moved them outside the 10-yard line, so it doesn't technically count as a play inside Michigan's 10-yard line. But right. but when Penn State had it, they had they were first and in goal inside Michigan's yeah. 10, and Michigan yeah. stopped them for – they held them to a field goal. And one of the biggest plays, the biggest play, was when Will Johnson had that lockdown coverage against whoever that receiver was in the corner of the end zone running a fade route, and he tried to make the one-handed catch, but it's like, no, Will Johnson's right there. He is all over you. You're not going to catch it. No flag on the play. Perfect defense. You can't draw it up any better than that. And it would have taken a spectacular catch, which if the dude catches the ball, like, what do you say besides, like, congrats, dude, that was a good catch. But he didn't. And and that held him to a field goal. And it's like, yes, that is, that is Michigan defense. Mm-hmm. Yep. And – it's just really good to see that um, a lot of these young boys continually throughout the season against big players are showing up. I mean, I'm I'm looking even further into this Will Johnson stats, and, dude, his career highs are against Ohio State. Eight tackles, seven solo tackles, all against Ohio State last year. As a As fucking a freshman. Frosh? As a freshman, bro. Like – that's insane. That's that's insane. I, I I don't even know. Like that's that is one hell of a way to make an impression at the University of Michigan. Yep. I'm expecting I'm now that you say that I am 100% expecting him to show up against Ohio State again. That's when yeah, I mean that that was our biggest game obviously of the season last season. And Dude, everybody showed up to that game. Yeah. Now he's been everybody is gonna is gonna repeat their performance. Like especially with all the drama, the coaching drama and mm-hmm. you know, the allegations, whatever. Everybody is gonna be absolutely pumped for that game. And I I'm just expecting more of the same. More of the same that we've seen against Penn State. And what we saw last season against Ohio State, it is yep. everybody is going to be so stoked to play in that game. They're going to be firing on all cylinders. People are going to be flying around that field. We're going to see big defensive linemen making huge plays 30 yards down the field. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. But they're going to be flying just like they were against Penn State. Like, we have the ability to do that. Everybody knows they have the ability to do that. And that's exactly what they're going to do. Dude, our defensive line is freaking dumb, dude. Like, Kenneth Grant, 
McGregor, Jones. Like, I, we've been talking about I, it all uh, season. They rotate dudes no. in and out constantly, and it's you hear yeah. a new name. That's exactly what we've been talking about all season. You hear a new name every week, and it's like, who is this guy? Oh, all of a sudden, he just played the game of his life. You know, it's yeah. they they're all ready to play. They are all big time players and they are all ready to make a name. I don't want to say make a name for themselves because that goes against what we've been saying about the Michigan team. They're not playing yeah. for themselves, but they are. They are they're making names for themselves because they are so good and everybody it's like if you're not doing well, I'm gonna do well. If you're not if you're not on your game, I'm gonna be on my game. Yep. No, it's just really good to see. I think it was a really good win in general. Um, yeah, I did I say that right? I don't think. Wait, Jones? Is it Jones? I'm thinking about Grant. J, Grant McGregor. Yeah, Kenneth like Grant. Yeah, yeah, Conor McGregor's like, cousin, whatever his first name is. <laughs> and, um, um uh you know we got Mason Graham and who's who's the guy that I've been I've been loving all season um uh Chris Jenkins Chris Jenkins Jenkins you yeah know? I knew Jones wasn't right Jenkins yeah, studs studs Jenkins. and then you said Graham you, yeah Graham I mean yeah dude look I mean bro that's honestly that's that's D end to D end a full ass squad of just killers. Like if you ran that line all the time, like I, I which they do. They they have the ability to. They all have the ability to sub them out. That's just oh, that's insane. Cause it just reminds me of like when we would rely on Indomitian Sue on the Lions to hold our whole team up. Kid would get fucking tired. Even if he's one of the most fit defensive yeah. linemen in the, the season, which he was, he gets tired, and you you get tired of getting double, triple teamed every time, and no one else does shit. Like you can't, dude. If you double team one of our linemen, it is such a risk. It's it's just a risk because you you really better get that run play off or that pass off quick. Because if you dilly dally in the backfield, it's a tackle for a lot it's a sack so well and and that's the beauty of having that run game that i that i don't want to say that we've been missing all year but that we have been missing all year you know i'm not opposed to passing the ball around you know because like i've been preaching when we play ohio state they don't just run it up the gut and they don't just run our defense down. You know, they run it, they pass it, the quarterback runs it, they mix it up constantly, and we are always guessing. But there is absolutely something to being able to run the ball and run the ball consistently, which, we do, which we've done over the past two seasons. That, that was our MO. We ran the ball, and even if you stop it on this drive and then stop it the next drive and maybe even stop it the third drive, we are going to keep running it, and we're finally going to break through for exactly that reason, because your defensive line eventually is going to get worn down, and then we are going to put pedal to the metal, 
and we are going to we're going to exploit that your tired defenders and exactly that with our defensive line no matter what they're doing we are rotating a solid seven eight nine guys all the time throughout the game every single one of them can play they are not getting exhausted in the fourth quarter they are playing you know well and that's another thing too is they haven't even been playing the fourth quarter this is our first four quarter game that we've played all season where we had starters in the fourth quarter you know jj played, played his first complete game everybody played their first complete game but again even on the defense that's that's just their mo is they don't they're not playing every single snap they're rotating constantly and and they're not getting worn down and they're still fresh even in the first quarter or even in the fourth quarter and and I, I i just can't speak highly enough about how good our defense is and part of that is because we are so deep and everybody on defense can play no matter no matter what position it is we have a next guy up that's ready to go in to give anybody a breather when they need it to give anybody to give anybody relief when when something happens when you know when they just need to sit when they need to take a playoff when they when they're getting beat when they need to refocus whatever it is there's always another guy that's ready and willing to take your place on the field yep and you know i think um with just the penn state whole kind of them ohio state and us being kind of considered equals for this entire season until really Penn State played Ohio State. But even then, there was a scenario where you were talking about it to me one time that if Ohio State beats Penn State, Penn State beats Michigan, Michigan beats Ohio State, it's going to get all types of wacky Yep. Uh, to decide how you're going to finish them in terms of, I think, Big Ten rankings so that you could see if they're going to the championship or not, yep. let alone the CFP rankings. But it's just good to kind of silence all that off of just an absolute abysmal week, public, uh, public, publicly, I guess, but publicity-wise exactly. for Michigan. Because, I mean, last week, two weeks ago, we were on, uh, just got off a of bye week, took care of business. This week, allegations flying out of everywhere, get an actual sanction on our coach, Jimmy. And, you know, I think I even said this last week. It just doesn't even make any sense the way that he's had to stay here for nine years. This is ninth year. And throw it all away, really, with these types of things that he thought were illegal. Like, that's another thing that just sticks out in my head is that it was no cakewalk for Jim the first five, six years he was at this program. People were hyped on him wanted his, you know, I don't think necessarily anybody ever wanted his head, but there was definitely people being like, what the hell is Jimmy doing? I was not one of them. I knew what he was doing. He was recruiting. That's why I was so deep right now. But, you know, it was no cakewalk. He had to endure a lot of love and hate and love and hate relationship with the fans specifically and probably a lot of the board at Michigan. But, you know, at the same time, he's coming to a place where he's easily looked at as one of the top national championship contenders with his team 
And then this comes out of just fucking left field. And it's just like for us to go into a hostile, hostile environment like this and take care of business, I'm, there's nothing bad I can say about it. Um, it was a team win. I don't think anybody necessarily outdid anyone else. I think it was a really good team win. So um, I think, if anything, the star for me was Tyrone. Tyrone. <laughs> Because of how he handled that second half and being the head coach. So, well, and um, to touch a little bit on these allegations coming out of left field, you know, I, I, it, it, again, we we've talked about this, and it's like you know the Michigan hate, and I think it there's a lot of that in this story is the Michigan yeah. hate, not just within the Big Ten but nationally. And obviously you see the big 10 does not have Michigan's back when they're going to suspend the coach of, if not their best chance to win a national championship this season, but clearly their second best in a close second best. If, if you want to give Ohio state the benefit of the doubt, which I don't as a Michigan fan. So no. their best chance to win a national championship, they're going to suspend the coach for the rest of the season. And then Michigan immediately comes out and says, oh, by the way, we have evidence that Ohio State, Purdue, and Rutgers were all sharing Michigan's plays in 2022. They were sign-stealing yeah. Michigan. And not only were they doing it for their own benefit, they were sharing it with each other. They were colluding. They yeah. were colluding. Collusion. The collusion delusion. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Seriously. And Unbelievable. And I love parallel that with just it, – it's all it's like incestual hate within the Big yeah. Ten collusion to do this against Michigan, Michigan, knowing, honestly, at some level, every other team has to know how much the media and, in general, college football does not want Michigan to win and pretty much hates them. Because you, if you have the balls to do that within conference, like, like that's literally like the allied forces or like, like the, the UN ganging up on like one of the seven powers, like right in front of their face, pretty much like after the meeting going into a room and saying, okay, you know that, you know that I'm just going to, I don't know, whatever country you want to say, let's just, let's just start dealing their, their military data. Um, I got this. You got that. You're closer to them. Let's just collude. We'll, we'll, we'll look publicly facing at, like we're in the same team. We're on the same conference. But behind the closed doors, we know what the fuck's going on. And honestly, that part about the evidence coming out is even better that we beat, the, that we beat those fucks in Columbus. I love that. I love that so much. That That's yeah. like... That's my favorite part about that story, to be honest, is that and we were talking about, like, who could have actually found this information out and, like, goes back to the biggest alumni in the world of any university, the University of Michigan. Dude, we got motherfuckers everywhere. Like, yep. it, didn't you say it was, like, an anonymous ex-employee from one of these schools? Yeah, it was something like that. Um, I forget exactly how they put it in. Yeah, but I'd like to see what they're going to do after all this now. Like, what are, what are they going to – so you started the fire. 
we all know every single program. Well, we, we all know they at least filmed their own game tape. We didn't know about collusion. So now, so now if you want to suspend Jimmy for three games, collusion amongst other rival uh, yeah. colleges, bro, that's like 16 games, bro. That's like, yeah, you weren't doing that, it. You weren't doing it just for your own problem. benefit. Yeah, you were sharing it with other schools like that. Yeah, that is that's no, you that's, know you talk about oh, you talk about that's, Michigan being unprecedented. Oh, they use technology <laughs> to steal signs. Like, give me a fucking break, Michigan. They video recorded. Oh, it's video recording something brand fucking new. Are you kidding me? Like, you haven't had handheld video cameras since the 90s, 80s that anybody could purchase themselves and bring to a game? Are you fucking serious right now? Acting like this is something that nobody has ever thought of. And they use technology in a way that is just groundbreaking. Like, no, you guys are fucking talk. Who the fuck talks to a rival school and shares signs with another rival school? Get the fuck out of here. That is totally different. And that's something, again, who the fuck would even do that? Like, exactly. Dude. Michigan, they're not going down without a fight. And I absolutely appreciate that. And, again, going back to Michigan's, you know, biggest alumni base in the world is you don't think Michigan has people who fucking love their university and love their football program, and they are going to be doing fucking pro bono work saying, yeah. all right, here's all the dirt that I can find on all these other schools because there is no school that is clean of everything. Everybody is doing whatever they can to try yep. and beat the system. I mean, it's, the saying is old as time. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You know, <laughs> that is, that's how everybody does it. And everything that we've, we've heard so far is that, no, Jim Harbaugh did not endorse this. He did not know anything about this. He was not conducting, um, you know, and trying to get, what is his name, Connor Stallions. He was not um, forcing him to do anything. He was not uh, giving him a wink, wink and a nod saying, hey, how about you go and do this? No, the head football coach had nothing to do with this from everything that's come out. And we haven't even seen the evidence. The Big Ten says it has evidence right. that Michigan was sign stealing. Oh, no. They they were using this to their advantage. They haven't proven anything. They haven't shown anybody any evidence. All they're doing is saying, oh, we have it, and therefore it's bad, and we need to suspend the coach because it's really bad, guys. But again, you know, now you have a three-team collusion where they're sharing Michigan signs, specifically Michigan signs, you know, for yeah. the Big Ten championship game. Specifically and, Big Ten or, or Michigan within, within the Big Ten. Stop. Yes. Yeah. That's crazy. Like that, you, yeah. You open up so, a can of worms. Okay, even if you even if you make uh, Harbaugh continue to not be on the sidelines, okay, fine, fine. We can't necessarily change that decision. What we can do is hold our own injunction against all three of those motherfucking schools to 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 um get rid of their coach for the whole year. And the only reason why I wouldn't want to do that is because Ryan Day's been showing us the fucking glory hole to goddamn ruining Columbus's uh, reign over Ann Arbor. Yep. Like, I don't even want to suspend the guy. He sucks. Like, Yeah, we don't want to give him an excuse to fire Ryan Day because Ohio right. State already fucking hates Ryan Day. 
Yeah. <laughs> I know. Been it's, it's like, at this point, we don't even we don't even want to bring up the fact that you guys are being fucking dumb and like just opening up a whole can of worms. You, the Big Ten, the fucking national or the yeah, the, the college football does not want to read into this. Are you kidding me? You don't think that Nick Saban <laughs> you don't think that he flies in NFL reserve players to practice against Alabama's team. Dude, you don't think this dude's spending a little coin sending scouts around the league? That's what that's Come what I'm saying. Don't this tell is- me that over Alabama's fifteen year run they have not stepped a toe out of line. Don't tell me that Georgia back to back national champions has not stepped a toe out of line. And I don't know what they've done. I'm not trying to say, oh, they did this, they did that. But don't tell me that they've run an absolute squeaky clean program from top to bottom. This is, again, against Michigan, this is somebody that nobody's ever heard of, somebody who was not directed by the head coach in any way whatsoever. He was doing this on his own, and maybe he was bringing it into into the training room. Maybe he was using these these things that he collected on his own to help the program. But no, don't tell me that, you know, this is an operation being run by Jim Harbaugh. And don't tell me that no other program could have had exactly this, a rogue agent on the coaching staff that did anything that was against the rules. And I think that's exactly like you said, opening a can of worms. And Michigan has the people has the alumni that are pissed off enough that say, all right, we're going to start on our own investigating everything everybody else has done, and we'll see you in court. We'll see you guys. We'll see yeah. how we can you clean your programs in the been. world. We'll see you in court, yeah. motherfuckers. Because you're trying to drag the Michigan brand, which is the Michigan name, through the fucking mud right now. You're also trying to drag Jim Harbaugh's name through the mud. And what you're going to realize at the end of this is, A, Probably nothing actually happened here. And even if it did, B, all these other schools are doing it worse. So whatever you benchmark this punishment at, every other motherfucker who's doing this worse better get something worse. Yep. There better be a five-game suspension, a 12-game suspension. There better be – you can't coach in this league for another year. Like, you've got to sit out. Like – and that's what I'm saying about I don't. I hope this doesn't happen before uh, the end of next year, end of next season, so that we can get we can uh, do the day dance one more time, because that that motherfucker just loves seeing us fuck them up at home. <laughs> you want to go four and zero against Ryan Day? Is that what you're saying? Dude, yeah. Let's just have a great day. I just I just need a great Ryan type of day. Yep. I don't. Yeah, there's something I, about that guy. He he's just, so weird. He's weird, I, bro. Even, I mean, even like Urban Meyer is like, I hate him because you're at Ohio State and you beat the shit out of Michigan, so I hate you. But there's something about you that I respect because you won at Florida, you won at Ohio State, and then um, who the fuck was before Urban Meyer? Um, Jim Tressel. It's like, yeah. I fucking Jim hate Bethel you. was my favorite of the Ohio State coaches. I fucking I hate, hate you but... because you demolished Michigan, but 
you're a fucking, you're a good-ass coach. And, yeah, if you were at Michigan, I'd love the shit out of you, too. But something about Ryan Day is just, like, you're, you look like a weasel. Gag-worthy. You sound like a weasel. You, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I just don't believe it. And then the other fucking day uh, when they beat Notre Dame and, you know, he calls out fucking Lou Holt. Like, Lou Holtz is fucking, he's almost in the fucking grave. Why the fuck are you getting so fucking pumped about showing Lou Holtz up? What the fuck did Lou Holtz even say? I haven't even fucking seen what Lou Holtz said. And the first thing that you're going to say in your post-game interview is, I told you so, Lou Holtz. Like, dude, like, you're a fucking nerd. Like, dude, like, I don't, nobody even knows what you're talking about right now. Like, get out of here. You're not a football guy. You're a fucking nerd. I'm like, what are you? I, I didn't even is get the a, reference. Is that an Ohio State emblem or is that a pocket protector, you fuck? Yeah, like, I I mean, I understand who Lou Holtz is, but Lou Holtz, he's still relevant. I haven't heard a single thing that Lou Holtz has said in fucking 10 years. And 10 years ago, the guy, I couldn't understand a word that he said. <laughs> like, you're fucking Lou Holtz is the guy that you're going to call out right now? Like, I, and, and it seems just so fake. It seems so fake from Ryan Day. It seems like fake hype. I don't, like, the hype that he tries to get is I don't believe it. I don't believe, maybe it is genuine, but it just seems like you're trying to hype these guys up. Like again, I, Urban I, Meyer. Honestly, I, Urban Meyer, you know, I get he's he's got the the presence about him. Jim Trestle has the presence about him, where it's like, yeah, this is a guy that you know when he steps into the room, I'm gonna listen to what these guys are saying. But Ryan Day, he just doesn't. Whatever it is, I can't put it into words. He just doesn't command that presence for me. He doesn't. He doesn't seem like okay. You know, when he starts talking, people are gonna start listening. Are you talking about Ryan Day? Yeah, Ryan Day, that's what I'm saying. He he doesn't he doesn't to me seem to command the type of respect that an Urban Meyer or a Jim Trestle does. Like when when they when they speak, you stop what you're doing and you listen to what they're saying. Ryan Day is just yeah. not that kind of guy. Yeah. And actually I'm looking up I just looked up Lou Holtz Saturday. I thought he was dead. Um He's 86, and he actually chimed in on the whole Michigan thing. He said, um, it's it's illegal what they did. I, he's assuming that this is true, though. And I, like you said, I, I would like to see the evidence, please. Um, and he said it's unfair to the other team, but then he goes on to say that, uh, however, not saying he shouldn't be allowed to coach. I think it's hard to make a decision in the middle of the year they should have done this either before the season or after the season, but don't make a decision during the season. It's unfair to the team. The team had nothing to do with it. And, I mean, yeah. this is an ex-Notre Dame guy. You know, when Notre Dame and Michigan were fucking – they were fighting, you know. And I'm, it, not, I'm not trying to hate on Lou Holtz because I don't – No, I'm neither am I. I'm just saying maybe that's why Ryan Day's up in – he got his panties in a bunch because he yeah. pretty much came out in support of Jimmy being on the sidelines. He – He's accepting if what's true happened or what happened is true, it is illegal, which fine. 
I'll even accept that. But like we just talked about, you open up a whole can of worms to investigating every other fucking program then. Because yep. now we're going there. You didn't have to go there. Now now we're going there. Because exactly. you're not going to make us look like we're the only motherfuckers that are doing this shit. But B, I just like how he said it, though. He stayed on that fence, but he definitely said that he should be coaching right now. At the very least, even someone who pretty much, you know, has no reason to really like Jim Harbaugh besides the fact that he respects him as a coach. And maybe they're friends. I have no idea, you know. But it, he said it's unfair to the team that is being spied on, which is fine if it's actually true. But then it's also it's unfair to the team that he's coaching right now because they had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And, and I love how he said it. Because these are, these are from last year, though, right? These, these allegations, right? I, I mean, I don't know if they're up to the present day or not. But, yeah, definitely they're saying that he did it last season. And I think they're saying that he did it the season before. I don't know did if I, they're saying that he did it this season or not. But, yeah, I was, assume that since he was on the staff, they're implying that, yes, he was doing this all the way up until this season. Well, and that's what I'm saying is that if he were – he wouldn't have said either before or after the season if he had if this wasn't about 2022, right? Because they would have already known about this or whatever. But um, that kind of goes back to your evidence that other people, other teams, were doing things that were far worse than what they're alleging. It's still an it's still an allegation. I still haven't seen any of this fucking evidence. You you can you can suspend him, I guess. Because you are the governing body, and we can get into government at different times, but you are the governing body, and I guess you have power over this for some reason to be able to make this type of decision mid-season. But I just like that he said you should have done it either before or after. Do it. But do it before or after. Now you're just a little cuck that's, uh, we got something against you guys. You guys are too, you guys are too good. We're going we're gonna to try to throw a stick at you folks. You know? It's it's just it's so goddamn annoying, dude. I I gotta tell you, this is so fucking frustrating. Cause I I was talking about it before we started this show. It was it is literally ingrained in football culture to scout other teams. The more scouts and crazy ass parents that you have on your high school squad that are willing to travel an hour, couple hours away just to watch a game to get some game film, bro, that's real shit. That actually happened. That's 100% real. It happened when I was in high school. Like, this is nothing new. This is nothing fucking new. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I, the best football programs in Michigan at the high school level have people traveling all around the state to get film on these kids. Well, I and think it signs, goes. And their plays. And their plans. And their packages. Everything. This is so – I oh, they opened up such that, a can of worms right here. I Because I I honestly, I, I man, one more, thing, the, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. I just yeah. really hope that they actually delineate what is or is not cheating at this point then. Because I think they've been operating in a gray area according to this new governing body, whoever the fuck is running the Big Ten right now. And someone stepped in and said, wait, they've been doing this for how long? Oh, that's totally not cool. And it's like, but you just got here. Cause that's what that's what this whole decision sounds like. If someone just got there and is like, I'm gonna be important. 
Oh, Michigan number two. Yeah, fuck you. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna allege that your coach has been playing this game wrong his entire fucking life. His his dad has been playing it the exact wrong way. This fucking family is three generations of professional college football or NFL coaches. Like, you don't think they know how to play the game? Like, bro, there is no way they're getting caught doing this if it's actually illegal, and they don't think that everybody else is doing this. And that's exactly what it is, is you need to delineate where this actually stops then. Because everyone's doing this. All football fans know this. Anyone who's ever played football at a decently high level, like I'm talking just like high school football, and that's what people don't understand about high school football is that this shit is real ever since, for a lot of people, especially in Texas, since you're fucking seven, if not before. But, like, in general, high school football in powerhouse states like Michigan, Ohio, California, Texas, these motherfuckers are insane. Like, this is their life. They coach high school football. Like, they go to these lengths. This is nothing new to me. I can't believe this is actually real. Like, this is yeah. just been a part of the game my entire life playing, coaching. I've coached. I've played. I've I've gone to games with my uncle who against teams that neither of us had anyone who were related to or wanted to see. We were literally just watching the game to see what they were doing. And I I think two points there. You bring up excellent point about the Harbaugh family. You know, coaching is what the Harbaugh family does. Obviously, yes. Jim was a quarterback at U of M, but his yeah. dad was also a coach at U of M. I'm pretty sure when he was a player, or if not, like, before that, um, you know, the Harbaugh family is a family of coaches. And Jim, too, he played in the NFL. You know, I don't know what John's done, but John even came out the other day and was like, you know, this is not just – this is not just an affront against Jim. This is an affront against the whole family. The whole family, you know, they are coaches through and through. We've been doing this for forever. And to say that Jim is a cheater and he's doing these things, this, that, and the other thing, you you know, you are tainting the Harbaugh family name. And this is yeah. not what's going on. And, right. you know, you are just dragging, dragging the name through the mud. And, yep. you know, I, I was glad to see – John Harbaugh, coach of the Ravens, professional football, coming out and saying, you know, this is, this is just, this is, it, it, it's crazy what's going on right now. And then, you know, going back to the commissioner of the Big Ten, which is Tony Petiti, you know, I think that goes back to just the culture that we live in today is exactly what you were touching on is. You know, as, as soon as there's an allegation, oh, you need to be seen as doing something. You know, you're the head of this league, and you can't just say, oh, you know, we're going to let the facts play out. You know, we're going to let the investigation play through. Like, no, I'm going to do something because I know what happened, and I'm going to I'm going to put a stop to this before it gets any worse. And so, exactly, he before before they even release the evidence, they keep saying, oh yeah, we have we have solid concrete proof that this was happening. Okay, so what if you do? Then let it play out. Let let it play out the way that it should. You can't be making these decisions before before you know the whole system has played out. That's that's where we live. We live in the United States of America, and 
and and we let the facts play out. We don't just say, okay, there was an allegation against somebody, and therefore we need to take action because the allegation says that they did this, and so therefore if they did this, then this guy needs to be suspended. Now, that just leads down a terrible path of, you know, if anybody, anybody can make any allegation against anybody at any time, and whatever the severity of that allegation is, that means that 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 player, that coach, they need to be suspended immediately. That That is such a terrible path to go down because we already know that these things happen regularly in daily yep. life. If you're going to tell me that is, you know, if somebody makes an allegation against somebody, the, especially in the NFL, the NFL is where it really hits home because the NFL is where this could really, um, you know, go big time. And you're going to tell me that, oh, you know, a visiting team, they went on and partied and, you know, some girl says something and there's an allegation about something that all of a sudden we immediately have to believe that whatever this person says is true. And if that's the standard that you set, then do not tell me that NFL teams are not going to start paying people to make allegations against their upcoming rival, against their upcoming game, and all it takes is an allegation, this is going to get out of hand, and it's going to get out of hand quickly because you have to let the process play out before any action is taken. And, again, the culture that we live in, people, people hate on letting the process play out, but that's exactly why the process is there is because just because somebody says you did something wrong does not mean that it actually happened does not mean it doesn't mean that it didn't happen but it does not mean that it happened in the way that you say that it happened and so yes you know these sign stealing allegations from the leaks essentially the leaks because we haven't seen any concrete evidence of it but the leaks that we've seen, yes, it seems like something was going on here, but we don't know the full extent of it. And to say that before the process has played out, we are going to preempt that decision and we're going to immediately suspend a coach, all you have to do is start figuring out a way to maybe not even fabricate evidence, but but come up with a story that's good enough to say, oh, yeah, that that's believable. And so that's believable, so we need to take action now before before all the evidence come out comes out before both sides have had their say and that's another thing is it you have to be able to defend yourself. you can't just not be able to defend yourself if only one side of the story is being played out at all times, that's never going to be fair, and that's exactly well, and that's, why that's you're allowed called. to defend yourself. That's what Lou Holtz is saying. What you should do is either before or after the season. If this evidence exactly. came to you right now, you exactly. – Well, then fucking show the evidence or shut the fuck up. Like, literally. You can't – again, you can't just point a finger, well, you, you did it. You're suspended. Well, okay, you say you have evidence. Where Where actually is it? And even then, why would you do it? in the middle of a season other than to fuck up Michigan's season. And that's what I love yeah. about Sharon. Sharon. Yeah. 
just bound. Well, and like I just that bitch by the reins. And like I just them. It doesn't even matter. Say, it doesn't even matter if Jimmy's on the sidelines or not with us. It's instilled. It's ingrained. We teach this from sunrise till sunset with these motherfuckers on our sidelines. It is about it just, the university. It is about the team, yeah. and it's about winning. Yeah. And in that it order. Just, stuff like this, it it leads down a path that is not good, and it's not good for anybody because if if something was wrong, obviously you want that to be corrected. You don't want people to be cheating. But, again, right. opening up a can of worms. You've okay. opened up that wait, wait. can of worms. No, right there, and right now, there though. If, if, if they – if they delegate this as if they define this as cheating, you better delineate this motherfucker then. You better write some new fucking law about this in the bylaws of Big Ten and or uh, college football play. Because I'm sorry, none of this sounds like okay. I don't even know exactly who this dude was that you're talking about right now. That that they they finally came out with the guy who did it. I guess. I didn't see that. But like you were saying, it could have been just pretty much some random ass dude going to these games and then giving the kids on the team the fucking film. What are you going to do? Not tell your fucking coach? No. I would definitely tell my fucking coach. And also, at the same point, even if it's not something like that crazy, there's everyone and their mother doing this shit. You better come out with something that says in writing, exactly what you define this as because obviously someone like Jim Harbaugh would not take his nine years almost to develop this program and put it on the line to steal a fucking sign when he has the deepest team in college football right now. It doesn't make any sense. There's no, there's nothing in my brain that can make me understand this except Jimmy, if this is true, thought he was doing what everyone else like, that is the wink and the nudge between coaches. Like, oh, saw you in the yep. stands yesterday. Like, and it wasn't even you. It was your fucking fourth-string fucking defensive coordinator. You know what I'm saying? Like, how much does that, like, cost? 50 bucks? Do you throw them in the fucking luggage? See if you can get a cheaper fare? Like, that kind of shit. It's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. These these dudes do this so much, it's not even funny. That is That's how... If, if they got kids going, if they got dudes going to freaking high school games throughout the year to recruit, you don't think they have motherfuckers going to goddamn other people's stadiums and looking at their sideline? I, I don't even, I don't, I don't understand. I really, and at one point I wanted to relate this to the Houston uh, Astros trash can banging thing, but it's totally different. This is so different than that. It's, and I, I'm actually surprised I haven't seen any kind of like parallels between that and the media. I haven't seen any, but it's it's just it's it's such a part of the game though. It's ingrained in the game ever since I started playing it and watching it. I knew this was happening. This is that was like kind of the cool part. You're kind of like a spy. It was kind of cool, well, I think, especially as a kid. I think that's part of it. Is is the whole narrative wants you to make it wants you to believe that this is a quote-unquote isolated incident. And exactly, you know, bringing up the Houston Astros, like, oh, you know, isolated incident. You know, Michigan, sign stealing, isolated incident. Nobody else does yeah. this. It was just Michigan, yeah. and it was just yeah. Connor Stallions. 
that's the guy that um you know was accused of doing this and he's the one that already resigned from from Michigan but it's, again Connor Stallions nobody's ever heard of this fucking dude until this came out it's not like he is a big part of the program it's not right. like he's an assistant coach or anything he is just a nobody who happened to be at the program and who was trying to make a name for himself and you know and that's the thing too the story's coming out saying that this guy he had um he had high hopes that he was going to be the Michigan head coach one day so he was just trying to impress somebody trying to show somebody that he was able to do these things and that he was able uh, I guess whatever whatever way he twisted but, it but in his own mind. Years. Yeah, is is to to prove that he's able to be the head coach of of the Michigan football program. Which he knows is, what the fuck is, goes on because everyone on that squad knows what the fuck goes on. Yeah, yeah, and That's it's it. like again it. trying We're to make people think the same rules that everyone else is playing by. We do not. What have we said all season? We have like one of the least penalized teams. Of the league. Yeah. Discipline. Discipline. I'm sorry. None of this jives with what Michigan is physically, mentally, and as a culture this season. None of this makes sense. Even last season, too. Because if they're trying to bring this back to last season, I'm sorry. It's the same fucking story last season, too. These motherfuckers were disciplined. Did we get more penalties last year? Yes. But really not that much, because honestly, that was another thing about last year. We really weren't that penalized. But especially compared to, like, season past, that's all I'm saying. But this year especially, we're easily one of the least penalized teams in the league. I'm talking all divisions. I I don't even know anyone less. I I, I have seen almost no – I think we can actually count the hankies on two hands that we've had this season. And I couldn't help – That is insane. I couldn't help but think about that during the Penn State game because we got a couple penalties early. There was a mm-hmm. false start and um, yeah. the pass that's interference that's, against Will Johnson, and there may have been a third penalty. I'm not quite sure, but it was all, like, in the first quarter. And it's like, wait yeah. a minute. We're that's the least penalized well. team that I've ever seen. And, oh, all of a sudden against Penn State, our biggest game of the season – after our coach has been suspended, all of a sudden there's a couple penalties out here that are not only just hurting us, but one one gave Penn State a first down, and one was after um, well it was a false start, so I don't know if they ran the play or not. But it you know, and then there there was I think there was another one where um, you know we got a, a decent chunk play, five six yards or something like that, and then they brought it back after that. It's like wait a minute, this is this is very out of character for this Michigan team. And we, we've talked about that in the past is that, you know, especially four or five years ago when Michigan was getting penalized up the wazoo, it's like, you know, half of these seem like BS calls, but it's like nowadays they are, they're not even just the most disciplined team. They are so disciplined. And I have to believe that, you know, part of the motivation for being disciplined is, don't give the referees anything that they can use against you because they are going right. to throw a flag on you because there is there there absolutely is a Michigan bias against hate. just hate. just the entire college football world and 
I mean, I hate to say it, but money plays a big part of it, and Vegas plays a big part of it, and they are always betting against Michigan, and they want to see that money come true. Bro, like, yeah, ever since Vegas got into this in a weird way, bro, with the apps and everything like that, I mean, this is the deal. They need to make obvious people lose because those are the people that people are like trying to save their bets on. So then they lose the whole house, not just half of it. Um, And that's what's what's always been going on with Michigan though. That's what's always been going on with Michigan. It's it's always been that way. It's just even more uh, increased because of the frequency you can bet now through your phone. Like I'm looking at these penalties right now. It says we have uh, 30 penalties all year, and we played 10 games, right? So that actually surprises me. 30 and 10 no, games. I, I honestly thought it would be 20 at the most. No, I know, I know. 30 and 10 games for a total of 258. Our our opponents average 54 for a collective 474. So. So we're sitting at half. We're sitting at half the penalties for half the yardage, essentially. Actually, more than half the penalties for half the yardage. So we're not doing, like, personal fouls and, like, pass interferences, like offsides and shit like that, um, which is actually kind of more annoying almost. But, um, yeah, no, but I but I want to kind of bring that up, that what you said is that, like, I understand, though, that's, that's what people have need to understand in general about when you go into another stadium. Like, yeah. I don't give a fuck how much better Ohio State was than us back in the day when they were fucking pounding our ass. They were still, if they were playing in Ann Arbor, there were still jitters when they came into that fucking stadium. Like, you can't just be that stone cold. Like, when there's a 100,000 plus, like, just screaming at you, like, booing. 10,000 plus? Back then, I don't think it was over 10. So I think it was like 107. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. But, like, I'm just saying, in general, the thing was is that, like, I don't I don't fault them for that, though, to be honest. And it's nice to know that those happened in at least the first half, mostly, if not all of them, but the first quarter. Because I get it. I totally get that. Like, get it, going into, like, a ravenous, just savage environment that you know everyone there fucking hate your guts and you haven't even played a second yet of the game so you you haven't established a reason to just kind of say fuck you to all the fans you're still kind of 50 50 but you're out you're away so really it's like at best 60 40 to them you know in terms of confidence level but you know i gotta tell you especially if it's like an offsides or an encroachment that that noise that a hundred thousand fucking people plus can make is no joke and, you know, I it is surprising that we got those flags, but, you know, the whole idea that we're bringing up here is that we're one of the least penalized teams in general. Um, but with that being said, us having those flags, getting over that hump in the first quarter, going in the second quarter, putting up two TDs, and then switching the whole offensive game plan for the rest of the, the rest of the game, absolutely wild. But – at, on top of that, 
this is just one of the most obvious Michigan hatred, like, witch hunt. It's a fucking witch hunt, bro. This is literally a Jim Harbaugh witch hunt. It, he, he, they don't want him. You, you said this a couple weeks ago or, or last week. They don't want him to coach no. college football. I agree, yeah. And, and he's great for the fucking – he's great for the league. He's literally great the drama, for the The headlines, the headlines around him are incredible, and I don't think the people understand – what they're getting into is I seriously 100% hope that this does not drive Michigan or does not drive Harbaugh away from Michigan. I don't want to see that in any way, but exactly that. The the hate that he gets over these things is you don't understand what you are driving away because he does make headlines all the time in any way, shape, or form that he can. And whether it's in a good way or in a bad way, you know, when he first came to Michigan, oh, khaki cam, you know, the khakis are back. Oh, he's with this, that. And it's like he he draws headlines, getting after referees, you know, when he was before his transformation over the last two, three seasons when he signed, you know, that extension and took a little, way, a little money away from himself. It's like, yeah, he totally transformed and he transformed the program. And you could, I could absolutely tell, and I know you could too, that his demeanor on the sidelines is different. He's not going after the referees in the same way that he was. And I think you made a good point earlier, is he's doing those things for recruiting purposes. And now that he has built his team, and now that he has his team that he wants, he's able to run the program that he knows needs to be at Michigan. He knows the program that Michigan deserves, and this is what it's about. It's not about the antics. It's not about the sideline antics. It's not about the recruiting antics. It's not about, you know, making hype videos anymore. It's about what you do on the field, and he has that now. And just a side note to that, while we're talking about penalties, one of the most frustrating things that I saw from last game is if you remember that interception that we all thought was an interception that got called back for not being an interception, which was a slap in the face of itself. But then at the same time, they put on a personal foul, 15-yard penalty yeah. on the passer, passer, roughing the passer. No, it wasn't roughing the passer. No, it was the dude. I don't remember who it was, but they said, oh, took his helmet off on the field. Like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? You're going to – not only are you going to take away the interception that we thought was going to seal the game, which in the long run didn't end up mattering, but you're going to take away the interception, and then you're going to give Penn State a free 15 yards because a dude took off his helmet, you know, a couple yards before the sidelines. Get the fuck out of here. That is – how can you give 15 yards and a free first down for something that had zero effect on the play? Like, I get it. By the book, that is a penalty. But it's like, man, that is just tough to swallow. You know what I mean? I get it, but i that's where I'm at with that. I don't like players taking their helmets off on the field. It's fucking dumb. Like, what, why do it? There's no yeah, why the fuck are you doing it? But no, it's, still, it's more, it I'm more I'm more yards? pissed at that guy. To be honest, that's so fucking dumb. Like, 
honestly, like I actually am more pissed at that guy than the call because I, I, it's it, it's just rule number one. Pretty but, all right. Do you have your cup? Check. Don't take your helmet off when you're on the fucking field, okay, you idiot? Like, dude, for real. Like that is. I I'm sorry. I don't care if you're hyperventilating, whatever. Get the fuck off the field. We'll get you oxygen. Like for real, you can't do that. Everybody knows that. Every, everybody knows that, and that's just dumb. It's it it's stupid. And you're right. By the book, though, right? Okay. But I'm not gonna fault them for that because I don't want to get. I don't want to catch some sort of fucking loser trying to call us out for defending a, a a rule or defending a player against the rule that is actually a rule. Because I, I understand that. That's that's exactly why I've been taking this whole line of logic with. Harbaugh. I am not one of those Michigan fans that anything blue is fucking cool. Like, no. If we fucked up, fine. But if we fucked up, we're going to look at every other motherfucker. And so that's what I would say about that. Yep. Is it? Do they call that every single time? No. Okay? Do they call that on every single player who does that? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So again, it's a double standard when it comes to Michigan. It's Michigan hate. It's through and through. Harbaugh knows it. I, I, you know, honestly, we're talking about this so much. I would not even like, uh, b- uh, not believe that he hasn't been telling the team that the whole season. Like, people don't want Michigan to win. We just have enough alumni and enough fan base to make sure that we're good. Like, that's why we're good. All these other teams and all these other fucking uh, markets, PAC, SEC. ACC, Big 12, they fucking hate you. They hate you, and it's not just the players of the team. It's the fucking broadcasters. It's the networks. Everyone and their mother besides us hates you. For real. And, like, yeah, that's real. And we're seeing it right now. That's Because I don't want to drag this whole conversation in, uh, into the ground because I start defending someone who actually did something wrong. Okay, but that sucked. I will agree with you. It was hard to swallow in that moment because you're pissed off at that dude and at the ref probably at the call. But at the same time, it's like I don't even want to compare that to what's going on with like other things that are being alleged because it's it's at least that one's a black and white rule, and you can't technically right. fault the ref for calling it. This right. one that they're doing with fucking Harbaugh right now, everyone and their grandmother has been doing this shit since the dawn of time of football. It, yeah, I it don't is, I don't disagree it, with that, and I, I agree with I what you're I just don't want to get down that. a rabbit hole where we start defending things that are not yeah. strictly by the book, but at the same point, I understand where you're coming from, obviously. Yes. Like, really? You're going to call that? But how many times have we said that in general? So it's just kind of like in my head, I want to keep the whole Harbaugh defense crystal clear and clean because there, there, is, there is nothing I want to be related to this fucking injunction of just bullshit into our season right now. Like this is, this is absolutely unacceptable. Like a lot of these kids are like 19 years old, bro. Like, Think about yourself at 19. You thought you could do anything. You're fucking on top of the world. 
and then you, you're still looking for guidance, though. You know, you you found a good role model in your head coach, and then they're throwing shade like this at the, at this man, who you know to be a, a outstanding human being. So, in general, your whole fucking view of reality shifts. Like you understand that there are people out there to literally get you. Like you are on the radar now. Your team is on the radar. Your head coach is in jail right now. Like pretty much, he's in coach jail. So like, you you have to understand that this shit is fucking real. People hate you. There are people out there who actually hate you. And like, they have power. And they drop the fucking hammer on your head coach. And I mean, it's impressionable at that age to, to see something like this. But And that's what I'll just wrap it back to one more time. I just think they gave us the biggest reason to go out there and murder everybody from here on to the national championship, zero zeros on the fucking fourth quarter board, and take that fucking crystal fucking football back to Ann Arbor. Because you gave us every reason to hate all of you now. We hate every single one of you now. We're, we're burning everything. We, we are Vikings at this point. We are literally Vikings. We're going to go through and just burn villages now. It's time to start burning because they've already attacked our family. They've attacked our name. They've attacked our integrity, which is really our own self-respect. Like, this is, this is, I, I got to tell you, man, I think they actually fucked up by, by going after Jim. I think, I think the Big Ten really fucked up here. Especially the reason why I have all that confidence is what you're telling me about this like leak that came out with obvious collusion between three different teams in the Big Ten against one team. I don't even care that it's Michigan. I'm saying in general, if that happens, that is so fucked up. I mean, shit, Vegas should be upset about that. Unless Vegas is the one that's doing it. You know what I'm saying? I'd like to know what those odds were and how they changed around. What's up? I just reiterated, unless Vegas is the one that's doing it. Right. Because I totally don't put it past them. Because it's, it's, I mean, money drives everything. That is just a fact of life. Follow the money. Follow the money. Is that what the money wants to happen? Does the money want Harbaugh out of Michigan? Does the money want Harbaugh out of the NCAA? What is going on here? And why now? Why with this guy that nobody's ever heard of? Why against Jim Harbaugh after he already, you know, served a self-imposed three-game suspension at the beginning of the year? which ended up being good practice for the end of the year. <laughs> but why now? Why in the middle of this, not even in the middle of the season, at the back end of the season when Michigan's playing two, three games left only to go. two meaningful games, What what is going on here? Would this have happened to any other program where their head football coach got suspended for the last three games of the season? You know, would, would Nick Saban have gotten suspended, um, you know, when they play fucking, I don't know who they play, because they play Georgia in the fucking, in their, um, 
SEC championship game. I don't know who they play at the end of the season. That's another thing about the SEC that I just don't understand. They don't fucking play their biggest games as their last games. Like the Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State is the last game every season. The biggest game of the year is the last game of the year every season. Season for a hundred years. That's how it's been. That's how it always will be. You know, we schedule tough at the end of the season and everybody knows this. And now you're gonna take you're gonna just throw a wrench into the gears that oh, by the way, your head coach just can't be there for your biggest games of the season. Like what the fuck is that? It's called tradition. It's called honor. Something that yeah. the uh, SEC doesn't uh, have much familiarity with. Um, yeah. They always general, play. They always play their fucking. You know, we play no names at the beginning of the season. We play fucking UConn. Fucking who else do we fucking East, play? Just East no Coastal names Carolina. every season. Yeah, East East Carolina, UNLV. Bowling Green this season, but I mean, you know, there's always new random teams that you've never heard of, and we play them at the beginning of the season. We make our own preseason schedule, and then we play Big Ten, and then we exclusively play Big Ten. But the SEC, they play their, you know, their chummy SEC games at the beginning of the season, and then they'll sprinkle in a couple tough ones, and then they play fucking out of conference the last two weeks of the season. Like, dude, that's bullshit because that's exactly right. They have a they have a loss early in the season and then they go undefeated for the rest of it. And it's like Michigan, they can either end on a great victory, which is great for every Michigan fan, or they can end the season on just a huge upsetting loss against Ohio State. And when that happens Everybody and their brother believes that that team is no longer going to make the playoff unless you're Ohio State in 2022 when you get blown the fuck out and somehow everybody says, oh, yeah, actually, they're still one of the best four teams in the nation. Well, okay, right there is actually a pretty good transition into this because the AP's got us ranked in uh, number two. The fucking college football playoffs has us ranked number three, and somehow we're ranked number three still. Ohio State dropped, and now Georgia's number one. Bro, bro, I I am so fucking livid with this shit. Like, dude, they Ohio yeah. State beat Michigan State 38-3 at home week. Fucking Georgia beat Ole Miss 52-17 at home. They're ranked. They were. I don't know what they're ranked now because it's saying thirteen. I don't know if they were thirteen when they were when they were playing. But like, I they were number nine last week when they played. Ole Miss was number nine. Bro, fucking Penn State was ten, and then Ohio State goes and plays fucking unranked. Goddamn, Michigan State lets them score. Let's Michigan State score at home, and dude, oh my god. Bro, if there's not a clearer delineation between what we've done, and we've already gone into way too much about how Notre Dame has just never been good this season and has just been ranked. They're at 19 now. So that game really shouldn't even fucking count. We beat Michigan State 49-zip at home. A good fucking, what, 
33, 35. Good 14-point differential over what they're doing. And then you and then Georgia goes ahead and, like, kind of – it's not even that big of a – I mean, <laughs> Ole Miss scored three times on them. It's not that – I mean, they scored 52, though. I'm not going to discount that. But how are we not at least two? I, I, dude, we beat Penn State by a larger margin at their place. We beat Michigan State by a larger margin at home. You beat Notre Dame on the last second, and they're not even good anymore. Like, you almost lost to pretty much an unranked team at this point. Like, bro, I I fucking hate college football playoff rankings right now, dude. I I can't believe what they're doing. It it makes – it really makes no sense to me. I, I I don't understand. Like I guess I guess because Ohio State beat Notre Dame at home when they were ranked top ten, but isn't that what we just did? It, it's just gonna have to come down to the stupid fucking end of the season when we all know we're gonna fucking bury Ohio State. Like I'm 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 willing to say that at this point we are going to fucking murder Ohio State. I think Penn well, State is gonna be the hardest game that we have. That's how that's how they set it up, and that's how it's been set up for the past two or three seasons, is that Michigan is the underdog going into Ohio State. Somehow the underdog, even though we've been ranked higher in the AP the whole season, by the way. Yep. Yep, and that's just, that's just the way they want it to be because they Fine. want Michigan to get buried – they want all the pregame headlines to be, oh, Michigan stands no chance. They're going to get buried. They want Michigan to finally believe that, finally take their medicine. Okay, guys, we can't win this game. I guess we should just roll over and hope for the best. Like, no, that's not that's not going to happen. And, yeah, it is. I mean, it, it just sets up drama. It's just drama because I know. It's, it's I Michigan's know. favorite going into that game. There's no drama in that. The drama yeah. is – Michigan yeah. should be ranked higher. Michigan is not ranked higher. They're at home and they're underdogs to OSU. That's that's what's going to happen, and that's going to drive that's going to drive the viewership. Obviously, yep. we've talked about this before. Michigan Stadium yep. is going to be packed no matter what. They're going to be over capacity no matter what. But yep. you want the national viewership to say, "Oh yeah, Michigan exactly." And the AP poll has been ranked number two literally since week one of the season, since before week one preseason polls, they were ranked number two. Ohio State coming out of the gate was ranked number three. Then they dropped. I think they were as low as five or five. six. Five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. So that's the storyline. And all of a sudden, they were number five, and now they're number one in the college football playoff. And, oh, you know, they only dropped down because Georgia blew out fucking Ole Miss, which I don't disagree with. I don't disagree that no, Georgia I, should be number one after a fucking almost no. blowout, but whole, it's a fucking headline driver. The whole time they should have been number one, though. Yes. It's ridiculous yeah. that this is the win, that this is the week. Cause it, they've always been winning. They've, they've Both teams always constantly winning, just like us. It is ridiculous, and this is how you can just prove that Ohio State is not necessarily in favor of these fucking puppeteers that run this stupid fucking league at this point. I'm sorry. It's really pissing me off because this is just insane. But it is these puppeteers who hate Michigan so much 
that they couldn't do it any longer because it just wouldn't look real anymore. Because, like, they had to put Georgia number one this week. Like, they should have been number one out of the fucking gate. You can't just leave Ohio State number one. Like, they legitimately don't deserve to be number one. They're not even close to number one. Like, the jump between Georgia and Michigan to Ohio State is a very long leap. This is not close. It's not even close. They just happen to be at an undefeated uh, ranking like Michigan and Georgia are. It's the only similarity between those two teams. Coaching-wise, depth-wise, anything else is totally different. And I would even say for Georgia, depth-wise is totally different. I respect their coaching. They want to set up a scenario like happened last year that when Michigan beats Ohio State at the end of the mm-hmm. season and Michigan goes to the Big Ten championship game, which Ohio State's yep. going to miss out on for the third straight season, Yet that again. Ohio State was ranked high enough, so even when they get beat down, they're still going to be in the playoff. And if yep. you have them at number one yep. and they lose to a number three team, they're still going to be ranked number four. And now that they're number two and they lose to a third-ranked team, they're still going to be ranked number four. They want Ohio State to have the credibility via the rankings that they will be in the playoff, even though they're going to get an extra bye week and they're not going to be in their conference championship game like all the other teams, a.k.a. Georgia. They'll be in their their um, conference championship against Alabama. Florida State's going to be in their conference championship against whoever the fuck is going to be in there against Florida. But Ohio State will once again skate in without playing in a championship game. And that's why you know what? are the way they are. You know what? If they do that, at least Washington will understand why we're so pissed off, I believe, about the 06-07 year. Was that when it happened? What did Tebow go for his second time? Um, when the we were two v three, or one v two, whatever it was. We were supposed to go over to the national championship because we had a better record than Florida. We were like ranked AP wise, BCS wise higher, but they literally did not want to see a Michigan Ohio State rematch in the national championship. So yeah, yeah. I think that end. was the the one versus two game when Ohio State was one, Michigan was two, and it was like a 38-35 game. Like, it was a three-point game. Like, those yep. were clearly the two best teams in the nation, clearly. Yep. yep. Yeah. So, but I'm saying, so Washington is also undefeated right now. Yep. And for some yep. reason, they still think the Pac-12 is, like, something to look at. So no I, and I know, I know, I know that you, well. I know that you actually like, like believe in the hype of the Pac-12. I swear to God, if Michigan plays Washington, Oregon, those are the only people in the top ten. We blow them the fuck out. Yes, we blow them absolutely. the fuck out. Wouldn't be close. Play both at home. We'll play away. Fuck them. Like it wouldn't be close. I don't give a shit about your ten and zero, but at least you have a ten and zero record. So if Ohio State jumps into the CFP with a loss and Washington or Oregon, which are five and six right now, just outside behind Florida state. If they don't lose a game, 
the rest of the season because Oregon's nine and one. I think they lost to Washington. The at least Washington should be just as upset. Actually, we we still are more upset because we're number were we number one or no? We're number two. They'll at least sort of feel the pain of like how the fuck is someone with a loss on their schedule going to jump us to the fucking college football playoffs right now? Like, why am I even ranked five? Why am I even ranked? It doesn't even make any sense. The whole point of rankings is that when you lose and you look at the other schedules and you thought as the ranking committee that these games allowed you to get to this standing, you will jump someone who doesn't have your record. That is the whole point of a ranking system. And that's exactly what happened when we got jumped. We got jumped by Florida, and they just threw away the fucking rankings. And then that's what I thought CFP was supposed to do. And that's what I said last week. The shit pisses me off because if you're not looking at history and you're looking at straight-up stats and wins and losses and differentials between scores, this should be an easy decision. This is, a, a, this is literally plug it into a program. Who's going to the fucking playoffs? But it's not. And it's obviously not because Ohio State weaseled their fucking Buckeyes in to the fucking playoffs last year. And yep. I don't doubt that's going to happen again. I 100% agree with you. This is exactly why they're doing this. Because, again, Ohio State is one of the biggest fucking markets that they cannot lose. And every Ohio State fan knows they're losing their team right now. So they've got to make sure that they stay in for as many years as possible until they all just fucking say, fuck you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Ohio yep. State fans are never really going to say fuck you to their, their team, which is like, I, I'm hesitant to say respectful of them because I just don't respect them at all. I, I'll say it again, and I'll keep peppering this. Worst fan base in the world. But in general, they won't they won't really ever desert their team, those fans. They are more fair weather than Michigan fans are, though, 100%. I'll, I'll just, just say, reiterate like, that. And I don't have too much else to say, to be honest with you. I'll reiterate that, though, that Ohio State fans are trash. And they are the worst fan base. They are the worst fans. Not Maybe not the worst fan base, but they are the worst fans to yeah. come up against. And seeing seeing them at OSU v. Michigan games, it is just these people are just – they're I, – I don't even know the word to say. They are just – not good fans. They're not good sports about it. Like, yeah, of course. No, they're not good sports. Ohio, Ohio State and Michigan hate each other, but yeah. I mean, they're fucking assholes. They really yeah. are. And it's like, yeah, fuck, fuck Ohio State. They don't deserve to be number State. one. They don't deserve to be number two. They don't deserve to be ranked no. over Michigan. No. And exactly, they do not deserve no. to be ranked over Michigan. I think, and I hope. If anything that we've shown this whole podcast so far this year is that this is classic Michigan hate and Ohio State masturbating. Like, just jacking these dudes off to make sure that they stay tuned in. Because that's that's the only reason why they're watching right now is because, oh, look, we jumped Michigan. 
Yep. They know they Just suck. They're more terrible. More fuel to their fire. Until they get butt fucked in Ann Arbor, November 25th, starting at 12 p.m. Don't miss the show, because it is gonna be terrible for them. Like I gotta tell you, I I haven't felt confident saying anything like that this whole season until the after this Saturday. Like, going in there, like you said, getting penalties in that first quarter, adjusting to your surroundings, and then coming back and putting the smack down on Penn State. No type of blowout, but getting that much-needed W and moving on, and we're still on the road. We're still going to be on the East Coast. But moving on, taking care of business next week at Maryland, and just being ready to just, again, chip on the shoulder. Jim Harbaugh uh, suspended. Ohio State continually ranked at number one for two weeks and now still number two over Michigan. I, if the kids are not pissed off, this ranking, are, it should really push them over the edge of just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn villages at this point. Like, well, I mean, by the transitive property – I think that's the one. You know, we have three common opponents and you know, with Ohio State and that would be Indiana, Michigan State and Penn State. And every single one of those games we've had a higher spread than Ohio State had in those games yep. against those very same opponents. And we beat them I'm not sure if Ohio State played Indiana at home or away. We played Indiana at home, but we played Michigan State away. We played Penn State away, and Ohio State played both Michigan State and Penn State at home, and yep. we still had higher spreads against both of those teams, and including yep. Indiana. So yep. by the transitive property, we're clearly the better squad. And Notre Dame doesn't matter. Fuck Notre Dame. I love Notre but Dame. That's the only reason why they can still be ranked above us right now is that they're still yep. taking into account that Notre yep. Dame wins. Yep. And that's ridiculous, dude. Yep. Oh, my God. It's like ranking number 25 Michigan State when they beat us on that last second um, touchdown, like in 2006. Against, uh, probably we were like seven or something. It was a highly toward the ass end of the top 25 Michigan State. And we were either in the top 10 or just about to touch it. And then they beat us on a last second touchdown. And you're going to tell me that you're going to just jump them up to, like, number five. That's, that's pretty much what they're doing right now with Ohio State. It's like, bro, you literally beat no one, though. They're only 19 for exactly all the reasons that we've talked about with this money game. That's the yeah. only reason why Notre Dame's here. I, it's, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at these CFPs right now, and we only got three – no, four – Big Ten schools in the top 25 right now. Iowa is number 16, which I was looking at their their games. I don't know how the fuck Iowa is number 16. Unless they're, defense, that's why. Well, unless they're considering our fucking uh, strength of conference. I mean. No, if, it's if mostly if, Iowa's defense. It's, I don't think our conference is all that strong besides Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. But it's, it's no, Iowa's defense. Iowa's got defense. And again, I say that a little sarcastically, you know, about the transitive property between Indiana, Michigan State, and Penn State. But at the same time, 
you know, that's exactly why everybody said that, oh, OSU is number one, is because of their strength of schedule. And it's like, well, Michigan has three direct comparable games, and we've won all of those direct comparable games by a bigger spread. And Notre Dame is not who everybody wanted them to be. And, um, and Penn State, we beat them at Penn State by nine points, a two-score game instead of the eight points, plus our coach was suspended for that game. So, and you know, and they played been... and they played Penn State at home. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, bro, if you I, that's not that's like you playing us at, in Ann Arbor and lose and losing or winning by 8 points. Yeah. It it's it, it's not convincing. We won, but it's not, I'm not convincing. convincing. I'm not convinced that Ohio State is a better squad than Michigan. And I don't even know if they're better than fucking. <clears throat> I always give shit about the SEC and shit like that, but like Pac-12. I mean, SEC is a lot better than Pac-12, but like, okay, yeah. Florida State. Let's even look at fucking Florida State. Florida State could probably be better than fucking. I, I, honestly, I'd like to see Florida State and Ohio State match up because we just both know they're going to be in the goddamn college playoffs somehow. That's the only reason why I want to see him because I know they just weasel their fucking way in just like how Ryan Day looks. Dude, I mean, like, no, Florida State's, oh, my God. Florida State's wins are so weak. Oh, my God, bro. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, though. If If you're going on just purely strength of schedule, Florida State beat a number five LSU, and they beat a number 16 Duke. Like, don't tell me that if you're going only strength of schedule for OSU being number one, that Florida State then doesn't deserve to be number two. Maybe not after this week when, you know, Georgia beat um, what was Mississippi State at the time, uh, or not Mississippi State, Ole Miss. They were number nine at the time. But they've got a number nine win and a number 20 win against Kentucky, and they blew out. Ole Miss, you know Florida State's played a couple a couple close games, but Georgia blew out Ole Miss, and they won against the number twelve Missouri. And Missouri actually, you know, then they went Missouri went on to beat Tennessee. So Missouri's they're a pretty decent squad. So again, it's just with all these transitive properties of you know who you beat, what they were ranked, and all this that strength of schedule. It's I. It, it it doesn't really make much sense to me, and it it seems like all they're trying to do is just make make better matchups for the playoff because they know somebody's yeah. going to lose, and we have to have we yeah. have to have Ohio State ranked high enough so that when they do lose, they're still going to be there. Exactly, because I'm looking at Minnesota Iowa game on October 21st. Iowa lost to Minnesota at home, 12 to 10, and they are somehow ranked. 16 in the college football playoff. Well, what like, was it? I forget I forget what the stat was. Um like, either yeah. either last weekend or the weekend before when when Iowa played Northwestern at Wrigley yeah. Field and they were talking about the over under. Is this going to be the most points scored at Wrigley Field this season? And they were talking baseball. And it was like 29 <laughs> points, 29 runs 
was, you know, the Cubs versus whoever they played. And there were 29 runs. It was only, I think, the fifth highest scoring game that season at Wrigley Field. Like, the Cubs had played four games where there were more runs scored than the Iowa That's Northwestern game crazy. at yeah, Wrigley it's Field. 10 to yeah. 7. It's 10-7, Iowa. Yeah. And that's what I'm yeah. saying about Northwestern. They're always fucking liable, dude. They're they're fucker. They're fuckers. And they finally got rid of your boy, Pat Fitzgerald. Did you know that? Oh, it sucks, dude. I love that dude. Like, I know. I, I actually him. liked him too, but they they just they Northwestern's been trash for a long time. Dude, I gotta tell I you, like I think that dude's been on borrowed time since 2015. To be real, bro. Unfortunately, like, he has. He's got good <laughs> methods and he's a good motivator, but. Does not get the job done. I mean, so come on, bro. Your, your stadium seats like eight thousand people. Like, it's it's, hey, it's kind of hard. Fifteen with those renovations. Cut that out. <laughs> I'm just saying, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, what can you really do against someone who's got a hundred and fourteen, fifteen k coming to the game, and they still yeah. make it in a fight? I always love that about him. He was a yeah. true underdog, underdog. You know what I'm saying? Like, that motherfucker really did push everyone's buttons in the Big Ten. I I think that's a really stupid mistake. I hope he goes somewhere and he, like, invigorates another team right now, to be honest. Well, but that's the thing, though. He was a Northwestern man through and through. He played for Northwestern. He loved Northwestern. So it's like, I don't know if he wants to go anywhere else. I don't know what he's going to do, yeah. but. I, I think, mean, he I was love, a Northwestern I, I love, man. I love the spirit. I love the spirit. Yeah. I love. I love the intensity. I do it. I, you know, they upset us a couple times. It was not chill. I was yes, not happy about that. But I got to tell you, I respect him for being the true Goliath or Goliath killer in the Big Ten. I know Iowa's been doing it, but like Northwestern's been out here for like fifteen years doing that shit. You know what I'm saying? And it's a lot of it's been underneath him, and that sucks, bro. Fuck. Damn. It's just kind of how you were talking about. Oh. Not that it's saying like hate level when we're playing them, but like Jim Trestle, Urban Meyer. I obviously I respect those coaches. Like, I'm not. This is this is what I think we do really well on the show. Most people want to think about Michigan fans as just like Ohio State fans. Go move nothing else. Blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that's all it is. Just, uh, we can't do anything wrong. Blah, 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 blah. That is literally nothing that we talk about on the show. It is objective as possible perspective on what the fuck is going on and all these other coaches and all these other teams. This is just like, I, I love that. I love that about what we do here right now because I think, I think Michigan fans in general get a bad reputation for just being so diehard, they don't wake up to what's actually going on like you and I have during those terrible years of Rich Rod, Brady Hoke, into the um, the the holy matrimony of Jimmy and U of M again, you know. The dark ages, but they lead to the renaissance. Even Exactly. This is the renaissance for Michigan football, but like, even at the beginning of Jimmy, we still were sticking by him. It wasn't like, uh, you know, but at the same point, we, you and I are able to accept when a coach, a player, another team 
actually has something to be admired. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I see in that Northwestern coach, bro. And that kind of sucks, man. Because I do, I really do respect what he did there, to be honest. I, no one thought they would ever get to a, did they go to the Big Ten championship on that motherfucker? I don't know about that. Maybe they did, but I'm not. I don't think they won, but, like, I'm pretty sure he they, got them to, like, their first Big Ten championship in, like, forever. And, like, I just respect champions championing. You know what I'm saying? I like to see it happen. Yeah. I think that guy was a great dude. I think he was a great coach. He really fucked up our game sometimes. <laughs> And in order to do that with such a low recruiting power, that takes some class as a coach. Takes some class. And that's why fucking Florida got Urban Meyer. He was out there in, like, what, Utah? He took them to, like, some bowl. And they're like, how the fuck does Utah go to a goddamn bowl? I think it was Utah State or something. I I don't remember exactly what team. You know, that's a big call because I think he might have been at Utah and – I forget their fucking current coach's name, but he's been there for like fucking 19 years or something like that, which I didn't realize because, yeah, you might be right on that. Urban Meyer might have been the one that set the groundwork for Utah to have been relevant over the past 20 years. Kyle Whittingham, is that the guy's name right now? But it's like I didn't realize. I thought he was only there for a handful of seasons, but it's like whatever game it was, Utah versus Washington, last weekend, I think, or Utah versus Oregon, when I saw the stats, like, no, that dude's been there for fucking 19 seasons. Yeah, yeah so Urban so, Meyer laid the groundwork over there. Yeah, long time Urban, ago. Urban Meyer, he was, I'm not going to go too far back, but first head coach gig, Bowling Green, 0102. Utah, 0304. Florida, 0510. Ohio State, 12, excuse me, 12 to 18. And then he got yeah, some so, horny-ass so girls doing a lap dance and got fired up. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying, though, about Utah, is that Urban Meyer, he might have been the last coach before Kyle Whittingham, I believe, is the dude's name Yeah, right you now. said 19 and years. That makes sense. Yeah. He was 03 to 04. <laughs> like, yeah, that's like really fucking forever. And, I mean, they even had their fucking quarterback on the cover of NCAA football for one season. It's like, who the fuck is this guy? Utah? Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, you... <laughs> like, he's on the cover of fucking NCAA football. Yeah, I mean, they made a name for themselves NIL. out there. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I respect Urban Meyer, bro. I don't care that he's from Ohio State, okay? When we play him and it's during the season, I hate him. But do I respect what he did? How do you not respect someone who wins? You're a hater. Don't be a hater. I'm not a hater. I am a Michigan Wolverines football fan. And during the season, I will use logic to break down this bias that they have for anyone that's not Michigan. So that's what it is. It's not that this dude is a shitty coach. He's not a shitty coach. Anyone who actually understands football – Understand, he was not a shitty coach. Jim Trestle, not a shitty coach. Fucking Bo was at Ohio State before he came to Michigan State, Michigan. So, like, there's a weird 
I don't want to say intimacy, but there's a weird relationship between Ohio State and Michigan in general. It's like Raul on Real Madrid. He went from Barcelona to Real Madrid. That's kind of what Bo did, bro. He literally left the one rival to go to the other rival. And I'm not going to say that Bo – I looked it up. Bo didn't have, like, the biggest job at Michigan State – or, I'm sorry, Ohio State. But he was an assistant. He was an assistant twice at Ohio State. You know, so it wasn't like he was the big boss man or nothing like that. But he was there twice. So am I – are you also going to just hate Bo Schembechler because he he coached – he coached for fucking Ohio State. No, there's no Michigan fan that's going to hate Bo Schembechler because he coached for Ohio State. Yep. Because Mich- true Michigan fans understand it's not about just brute hate. It's about literally breaking the shit down, seeing what makes sense, and then going from there. And that's why I'm saying I do respect Urban Meyer. I do respect Jim Trestle. Honestly, at some level, I don't necessarily respect him, but Brian Kelly, I mean, bro, he made it fun for Notre Dame fans. I'll tell you that. I mean, did they get unworthy rank out the gate? A hundred percent. But he fucking used it, and he got him. He got him into some bowl games that they. How the fuck did you get into that bowl game? Kind of shit, you know. I mean. It's not really great what he's doing with LSU right now. I, I think he's probably on the come up. But am I gonna am I gonna hate uh, Nick Saban just because he's a Michigan State and an Alabama guy? Yeah, <laughs> he thought I was gonna say no. But at the same point, I understand that he is worthy of respect as a head coach, though. Like I don't I don't like him, but I respect him. You know, it's I don't know. It's a little bit of a tangent there, obviously, but. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm 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 forever I'm forever pissed off at the CFP this season at least. Um, but we already explained it. It's to make sure that Ohio State can play a decent bowl game still because they know they're going to get buried in fucking um, Ann Arbor, and we're going to the Big Ten championship, and we're gonna. I mean, honestly, bro, if we beat Ohio State. Like, for real, we should be ranked number one, though. I'm sorry. When we murder Ohio State at the big house. We will be ranked number one? We should be. But that's That's the thing. I think that... When we beat Ohio State, we will be ranked number one. But this is why I'm bringing this up is because that's the real – okay, so we already thought we had a litmus test before with the Penn State game. And then we saw, if anything, it almost did come true because now they deranked Ohio State's win, and then they promoted Georgia. Meanwhile, all the time ignoring what the fuck Michigan's doing and keeping us at three. But at the very least, I could say they at least – downgraded Michigan or uh, Ohio State. Okay? But now, with this, at the end of the season, 
when we beat Ohio State, murder them in Ann Arbor. If we are not ranked number one, this does not make sense anymore because Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State have been ranked one, two, three by the AP all fucking season, all except season for when long. Ohio State dropped out of, to number five. If, fucking I, if, Ohio if, State. If we, when we beat them, we have two top ten wins that have a higher ranking than both of Ohio State's top ten wins. Georgia has not played any top ten teams at those rating levels, two and ten. I mean, they they probably played something below a ten, but they have not played a two. They could not have played a two this whole time. They did not play Florida State when they were ranked higher than Ohio State. So if we're going off of what they've been giving shit to us the whole time about strength of schedule, because like you brought up before, we play our hard games at the end. Well, let's go to let's go to stats. Go to stats. So I thought CFP was supposed to be. Let's go to stats. We have a better record now. At the end of the season, we will have a better strength of record than any other team in the country at this point. At least in the top four, because again, they're giving Pac-12 fucking rankings under top ten like it's candy on Halloween. But there, there really isn't no, there really is not a reason to not only jump Ohio State, obviously, but to jump Georgia as well at this point, unless you're still taking into account the back-to-back championships, which could be a thing. But for real, I, I unfortunately for us Michigan fans, we're gonna have to wait till the end of the season to see how the CFP really works. And we will judge them, and we will be vocal about it. I will be vocal about it, and I will put it on record that I am watching you because I call bullshit. I call bullshit about all this. This is all bullshit. We should easily be ranked number two, if not number one right now. And I'm so pissed that we haven't seen a number one next to Michigan. I've, I've been waiting a long fucking time to see that. We deserve it. We deserve it at the end of the season because they're not going to give it to us for Maryland, and they're, mm-hmm. they they may not give it to us for Ohio State, but Ohio State is our best chance to get number one. So That's kind of what I wonder, actually. You know, even if we beat Ohio State, even when we beat Ohio State, are they going to rank us number one, or are we going to have to wait to win a national championship? We'll get the number one ranking, obviously, for winning that. But then they're not even going to rank us number one out of the gate next season. That's going to be fucking disappointing to never play a game with that number one next to your name. Unless you take home the crystal football. That's what I'm saying. Even if even if we do, we're not going to play. That, dude. I don't give a shit. Number one. I, nah, dude. I'm I'm actually in the camp like. It really doesn't matter until the end of the season, the real end, because we're talking about this the last, like, almost hour now, about how fucked up these ranking systems are. So for us to get a number one does not decrease our viewership. 
or increase our viewership. We're all viewing. For Georgia to get a number one, who's been batted down by Alabama for the last 15 years before they won back-to-back, guess who's tuning in? Probably another 25 to 50% of Georgia football fans and or bad bandwagon fans. Same thing with Ohio State. Those fuckers are so fucked. They want to say that they have the same team loyalty. They don't. Because you and I are here making a podcast nine years after Jimmy came in, three years after we actually saw a glimmer of hope. We've been watching the whole time. Well, that is true. I forgot about that because there is, before the Bulls, there's the conference championships, which we already talked about, but I definitely forgot about that for a minute. So there is a, I don't know about strong possibility, but there is a chance that Georgia loses to Alabama. And if they do that, I still think they'll be in the top four. But after Michigan beats Ohio State and we win in our in our conference championship game, Probably then we'll be number one. So we'll be number one going into the playoff if Georgia loses to Alabama. And that's why they need to win. On that happy note, I'm ready to call it a day, son. All right. Well, I'm going to say one more thing. And that's why, like you were saying, they said Iowa's 16 right now. So when they lose to Michigan, they can still put them in a bowl, and Big Ten will still be in a big bowl. So I appreciate that. I'm also going to end it here. I think we could probably go for another two hours at this point. Just kind of riffing off of this stuff. But it's already gone. This is easily our longest one. Um, I think we covered a lot. Uh, if you guys hung on for this whole time, we fucking love you. Um, but, you know, in general, honestly, I'm ready to end it on a different one, but I just have to say go blue. So fuck Ohio State, but go blue. I don't think anything else needs to be said. Just go blue. That's that's the mantra. Go blue. Go blue.